With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Texas game. I'm pretty excited. I'll be back a little bit early, but you know it's going to be nice to kind of get reacclimated to back back in Stillwater. I miss it. Yeah, um, I'm interested in that game that you mentioned, just because I'm curious which Texas team shows up. Uh, if it's the good Texas team, OSU will lose. If it's bad Texas, uh, OSU could get their first win of uh, in Big 12 play. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting game for sure. But it's going to be another Tuesday night crowd that. I can imagine won't be very crowded, so you know. We'll uh, you know, everyone's back on campus. It's a Tuesday night basketball game. Texas, there's a there's a chance you could get a decent crowd. Eh, we'll see. I'm I'm curious, but I'm you know we can always hope, right? Uh, Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. So since you weren't able to come on with us and uh, recap the Liberty Bowl uh, earlier this yeah, week, sorry. Yeah, it's all good, worth it. We were able to get a Mizzou fan on here and talk a little bit about both teams. So that was a good. It still was a great episode, even though you were not there. Uh, take us through, because you were at the game. Uh, I was. Take us through the, the experience and what it was like to watch that game from the stands. Uh, so I'll say this. Uh, there were more people there than I expected. Uh, uh, from the way you saw OSU fans talking about the season on social media, you really didn't get the feeling that there would be that many there. There were the stadium total was about fifty one thousand fans there, uh, and I would say about half of them were Oklahoma State. Uh, it was pretty awesome. split between Mizzou and OSU, and the OSU fans that were there were were happy to be there. They were excited about the game. They cheered loud. We were vocal. It was really really fun experience. Um, I went with my father in law. We sat on the like fifty yard line, probably about th- two thirds, three quarters of the way up the stadium. So I mean we weren't close, but. Liberty Bowl Stadium is not a huge stadium. It's not a bad stadium. I mean, we can get into the reasons that it's an old piece of junk in a minute, but it's not. It's a bad stadium, shape-wise. Uh, the weather ended up being fantastic. It was supposed to rain all day. Rain cleared out right about kickoff, and it never rained the awesome. rest of the time. Uh, it didn't get cold until the sun fully set and the clouds left and the cold air is going to come back in. But, I mean, it was quintessential football weather. It was it was great. Yeah. Um, So from a fan perspective, it was awesome. Plus, you know, winning always makes everything better. Now, that said, um, I've heard – I have not watched the game um, on TV yet. I plan to do that at some point. But I've heard some things about how, you know, the announcers on TV were great and the cameramen couldn't capture the ball. Well, I'll just say that that, that those issues also kind of transferred to the the game itself. Uh, If you notice, the coaches were not up in the coach's box up top. 
because the headsets on Oklahoma State side could not communicate from the field to the press box. Awesome. Uh, so bravo to Missouri for also agreeing to have their coordinators and coaches come down to the field to not give themselves an advantage. So props to Missouri for that. Uh, also, uh, the entire first half, the announcer could not call Chuba Hubbard's name wrong. I don't just mean he mispronounced Hubbard. He called him Howard many times, uh, much to the uh, bemusement of Oklahoma State fans, who every time he would say Howard, we all in one loud chant would say, it's Hubbard, over and over again. Uh, and they, I think one of the biggest moments of applause in the entire game was on Hubbard's first carry of the second half when the announcer got it right, and we all cheered the poor man who sounded like an idiot through a lot of the game. So from those standpoints, um, not good, Bob, not good. But the fan experience was was great. The stadium's, I mean, it's pretty nice for uh, for what it is. And I think we all had a lot of fun. We really did. Uh, except for, you know, those two Taylor Cornelius interceptions that were god-awful. Yeah, but otherwise... It was it was a really it was a really nice experience, uh, and I, for everyone who was there, I, everyone seemed to really have a good time. We did. Yeah. Uh, so, how did you react when Colby Peel made the tackle to seal the game? Uh, we all freaked out, and then we all got angry because they pulled out the chains when we all knew he was short. Uh, but they decided to measure it anyways, despite being a yard short. And we were all just so sure they were about to the refs were about to screw Oklahoma State again in that game, and somehow find a way to give it to Missouri. Because uh, that was the refing in that game was a. Now look, it was bad both ways. It yeah. really was. It was a shit show. God, was it bad? I mean, I'm not gonna call Missouri dirty, but when you continue to hit guys, oh, a good step out of bounds and continue the tackle through the tackle into the out of bounds area, that's not necessarily dirty, but I wouldn't call it clean either. No, but then Rodarius Williams hits someone too hard, and the ref panics, and he's out of the game for playing the, football. Okay, the first ejection was not targeting. No, it was not. The second one was. Yes, yeah, so on Camus Severin, right. that was targeting. <laughs> that was he popped it. That was that was high. Targeting. That was a high hit. Um, I will say this: both those tackles, the entire stadium was just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was nice. Yeah. yeah, but I'm glad you had a great time. Glad you made it back safe and out of uh, away from Beale Street before New Year's got pretty crazy. So, oh no, we weren't dealing with that. No, we dealing with that. no doubt. Um, and then at the end of the podcast, when I was on with my friend Alex, uh, who's a Mizzou fan, uh, the news broke officially that uh, Mike Yurcich le- is leaving Oklahoma State for Ohio yeah. State quarterbacks coach. Uh, worst kept secret coordinator. Yeah, worst kept secret in college football. Um, but now Oklahoma State's in the market for an offensive coordinator. Now we're finally able to talk about it for a little bit. Um, I'm under the assumption that they're, Oklahoma State's just going to hire Josh Henson from within and make him the offensive coordinator. Now I don't necessarily like the move, but I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. Either that or we're going to find someone extremely obscure, just like the way Gundy found Mike Gersich. So when I made my predictions at, at the beginning of the year for 2019, I predicted that Josh Henson would be the offensive coordinator. Uh, it seems like an obvious hire. It, it really does. Um, but let's just say this. When has Gundy made the obvious hire? Yeah. One, when it comes to any position. Uh, and two, whatever you feel about Jim Knowles aside, uh, and no, he hasn't done a great job hiring offensive line coaches since Wickline left. 
But one of the things Gundy has done well is hire offensive coordinators. Larry Fedori was a great offensive coordinator for OSU. Then you got then Gundy ran the plays for a while. Then you got Holgerson. Then you got Monken. And I, whether you like your search or not, your search was a good hire. He was. It was a smart hire. He stuck around for a long time, provided longevity, and I thought he did a really good job running the offense. So Gundy has done a good job with offensive coordinator hires pretty much every time. So I'm going to put my faith that Gundy is smart enough to make the right decision here. Now, that being said, um, I put out a seven possible candidates post. Um, number seven was kind of a joke, but also just wishful thinking that they'd go steal Rashawn Woods from that Oklahoma high school he's winning at and make him the OC with the quarterback coach just being a, a Aussie pogey. But, uh, so so pogey, yikes. Yeah, well, he's the OC there That's under true. Woods. Yeah. So, you know, um, and I listed different names, you know, Curtis Looper is a co-OC over at TCU, but you know that's um, Sonny Cumbie's offense. Um, Curtis Looper, a former OSU running back, used to be the running back's coach uh, for Oklahoma State under Mike Gundy. Um, we talked about Henson. Monkin's not coming back, and is not leaving either. But there was the name Bodie Reader. And the more I started digging, yes, he's an FCS guy right now. Yes, it's a lot like Yersich. The difference was that Reader was at Oklahoma State for three years with Yersich here as a quality control coach and coached quarterbacks. Specifically, he coached Mason Rudolph for a few years. Um, and I'm going to give a little bit of credit here to Adam Lunt from Tape Doesn't Lie because he and I have talked about this a bit. Uh, I think I think the the smart move would be you go ahead and promote Henson to OC and let him coach offensive line and be the primary play caller, but you bring Reader back as co-OC to help run the passing game and to coach the quarterbacks. Because here's your deal. Henson is not a quarterback's coach, and I don't see Gundy hiring someone to run the offense who's not a quarterback's coach. That means because then he's going to have to go hire a quarterback coach. Um, whereas I could see Henson and Reader working together to run the offense. Um, with reader coaching quarterbacks and and Henson calling plays. Now, I I like that idea. I like that scenario. I'm I'm intrigued by what reader has done at Eastern Washington. There's been a few articles by different people, um, one by the Okali, one by PFB, just looking at reader because everyone started to notice his name and talk about him and 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 look at what he's done in his time in Eastern Washington, who lost in the FCS national championship game to North Dakota State, but put on a good performance. I don't think it's a, I don't think he'd be a bad guy to bring back to Stillwater. No, I, I like Bodie reader. The more I looked into it. Um, if anything, I, I tried watching a little bit of film uh, on Eastern Washington to kind of see what he had brought to the table, but five minutes in, I couldn't look at that damn red field and I just, oh. I, had, I had to stop doing it. So, um, but I digress. Uh, I think he would be a great fit. Obviously he has a tight Oklahoma state and Mike Gundy has said that he wants to bring people back that have either coached here previously or have played here. So he wouldn't. It wouldn't be that unorthodox of a hire, and I really think it would work. Uh, either if he is primary offensive coordinator and play caller, or if he is just you know they bring him in, they elevate Henson, and then you have two guys calling plays with two different offensive minds. So either way, I think that would be good. I would love to see Todd Monken back here. Just wishful thinking, but yeah, he's, he's not leaving the NFL. Considering that he's getting head coaching offers in the NFL, um, I, I that's just not going to happen now. As, as awesome as it would be to see him come back, it just is not going to happen. 
You know, I, the thing about Monken is following his third and best season at Southern Miss. Like you, I, I, I was really following what he was doing at Southern Miss and felt like he was one more good year because it was third year three. They won nine games and they won Conference USA. They weren't supposed to. Um, it really felt like he was one year away from getting a Power Five job, and he decided to go be an OC in the NFL. And I really have to ask. Does he like being in college, but or does he like being in the NFL more? Some guys like being in the NFL. There's no recruiting. It's purely focuses on football. Um, it's not as year-round as college football is. And I, I think he may just like being in the NFL more than he likes being in college football, which is why you know I would love to see Monken eventually be the head coach at OSU when Gundy retires. I just don't think he wants to do college. No, um, I, and so I, I think that's your biggest reason he wouldn't come back. Um, I, I think Gundy would welcome him back. I think they had a good relationship. Um, I think that's a lot of personality to have Gundy and Monken, but I just don't think it's a reality. You know, I just I love the yin and yang of Mike. I would love to just see fiery Todd Monken right now with the way as even keeled as Gundy has become. That would just be a hilarious dynamic to look at because Mike Yersuch was very much like Mike Gundy, and to bring someone completely different into the room would make for some entertaining quotes. You know, Gundy didn't really start to do this whole persona that he has now with the mullet and everything until after Monken left. Yeah. How much do you think Monken's persona rubbed off on Gun on Gundy, at least when it comes to being in front of the camera? Yeah, I can see that. I see what you mean. Because, like, I mean, Gundy always was good at camera uh, on camera, but not to the degree he has been and not to the degree he was after Monken left. Right. Like – at least after that 2014 season, how much of that really rubbed off and, and, and he's become more of the Gundy we know now um, as someone who is the brand even more than Oklahoma State is uh, because of Monken's personality. I, yeah. I'm, I may be on a, on a limb here. It's just there. I think there's something there. I could see that. And then another guy, I'm, I'm looking at the options that uh, Mark Cooper put out in a prediction post for the Tulsa World. The other guy I brought up was Graham Harrell. Um, honestly, I, I didn't even know this. I didn't realize he was a quality control coach at OSU with Dana Holderson. Yeah, uh, one year. Yeah, but I didn't, real, I didn't realize that. Um, so at least he has some kind of a tie to Oklahoma State. But he was getting Power 5 opportunities to be offense coordinator. I know North Carolina uh, and Mac Brown were trying really hard to go and get him. Uh, but he wants to stay in North Texas. So I think it'll be really hard to get him away. Even if it's a pretty decent pay raise, I don't see him leaving North Texas, at least until Mason Fine leaves next year. Um, so I think there's a couple of things on that. A, I would love to see Graham Harrell running the offense in Oklahoma State. It doesn't feel like a Gundy hire at this point. Right. Um, That's my other Like problem. it would have a few years ago because I still think Gundy values continuity. Um, and I think Graham Harrell is a young up-and-comer who, if he had two really good years in Stillwater, would be – the head coach somewhere. Um, I think Graham Harrell is also in a position at North Texas where when, um, oh, what's their head coach? Seth Luttrell. When Seth Luttrell just gets a power five job that he wants and he will, I feel like Graham Harrell has a leg up on taking over as the head coach there. I do. I think that's because um, I, I it's think been it's, talked about a lot. Yeah. And I just, if I'm him, do I stick around for another year or two here, continue to do well and impress, have my name touted for OC jobs at Power 5 schools, and then when, when he leaves, Graham Harrell takes over North Texas and gets his shot. I, I, without having to go to a Power 5, just stay there, be comfortable, be happy, and get that job there. 
at a place where he could continue to keep things rolling. I just I see the benefit of going to Oklahoma State, but I don't think you have to do those kinds of things now as much as you used to. I think he could stay at North Texas and be just as well off as if he came to OSU. And I'm just I don't know if Gundy wants a guy he thinks he's only going to be here for two years. Right. I think that's a legitimate point as well. And I think Grant Harrell will be a head coach at some point here in the next, you know, five to six years. I think he's a great offensive mind. And he took their offense from 117th in the country to 24th in his second year and then top 20 offense this year. And obviously, when you have a quarterback like Mason Fine, who's been really good in Conference USA, you know, you have that ability. Um, and I don't think it's in if Seth Luttrell leaves for a Power Five job, I think it's a matter of when at this point. Uh, whenever the job that he wants opens up. And I've heard that's OU, but obviously with Lincoln Riley getting the extension, that's going to be a little bit further off now. Depends on when Lincoln Riley decides to make the jump to the NFL, which I think he will here in the next few years. Uh, we'll see. We'll he see. doesn't have to. so He doesn't have to, but I sure as hell would like him to. You know, the other problem with Henson hire is, and I, I'm not, I don't want to necessarily hold his record at Missouri against him. Um, his first year was good. His last year, his third year was awful. But that last year also happened to be the year that they were dealing with the the racial tension and issues at Missouri, and the team had was such a mess because of it. Your quarterback was not great. You had injuries. I don't know how much of what happened the last two years of him as OC was on him and how much of it was just the program deteriorating, the injuries, the quarterback play, and then the issues on campus. So I, I don't want to hold his the stats against him too much. But they are a little alarming. The other issue is Gundy has never promoted someone within the program to OC before. Okay. He's always gone and got hired. If you go look, all the OCs have been hired from outside the program. No one got promoted. He did it with DC. I mean, he did it with defensive coordinator. Uh, Glenn Spencer got promoted up. But from offensive coordinator, I don't – he. Holgerson was outside the program. Monken was outside the program. Yurcich was outside the program. Fedora, I think, came in from like Florida when he hired him. I, I don't. He does never promoted someone to OC from within, which would be my other. That doesn't mean he won't, but it's just another reason to wonder if if Henson really is the guy. Right, and I think you know, and he's. I think this is a, it's a really interesting thing, and in what's going to happen over the next few weeks, and we haven't heard really. There hasn't been any sort of rumblings of anybody that's gone ahead interviews or if there's anything in agreement right now. So we're just kind of a waiting game and really we just get to sit here and guess. So it's going to make for an interesting next probably week or so, if not longer. Um, but do you have any final thoughts on this here? Yeah, I, I think you'll have somebody in the position before the next signing period. Um, just because of how the impact I think that can have. Um, and now that, the FCS national championship game has been played. You can you can talk with Bodie Reader. Um, it's it's one of those things where I think there I think a decision will be made before the the this the next signing period for the 2019 recruiting class. I think they'll want to get somebody in there um, just just to help have an answer for you know guys like DeAndre Glass who you're trying to land to say this is going to be your OC you know meet him see who right. you're going to be playing for. And not just be like, well, you'll find out when we get here. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And obviously, if something happens in the next few days, we'll hop back on and see what happens and have our thoughts here. Well, let's go into basketball a little bit. Obviously, Oklahoma State kind of had a tough week losing to Iowa State at home and then going on the road against OU in a game that they played well enough to win but just didn't knock down enough shots. Um, 
and lost OU 74-64. Um, there was some stuff to like about this game, at least. We thought Maurice Kalou played a really great game. It was probably the first game all year that he played more than 10 minutes, at least since the beginning of the season. Uh, I think since the UTSA game, I think those was the most minutes he's played. And, you know, there he was a guy, at least you can take away and go, okay, maybe he's starting to turn the corner a little bit. Even in a loss, at least we can find something positive here out of this one. Yeah, I... That's the first time all season I have seen Kalu on the court and not wanted him to immediately get off uh, and go back to the bench. So I think that's a positive. I, you know, this still is just a team that they're they're a year they're not there. This is not a tournament team. There's not going to be some switch that gets flipped and they're suddenly going to go to the NCAA tournament or even finish with a winning record at this point. I just I don't I don't see that, um, and that's okay. Like, we, we knew that this is likely what the season was, and I'm okay with that. It's all about seeing guys continue to improve. Um, and what I think I've continued to see is guys take a couple steps forward and take a short, short step back, and take a couple steps forward and take a short step back. And that's okay. That's that's what comes with development. It's not just constant progress until you're the best you can be by the end of one season. Um, these guys are going to continue to get better and better and better. Kalu has gotten better. Um you know, Curtis Jones looked good. He had a bad game against OU. I will say this. OU is really good defensively as far as a team, uh, and they didn't shoot the ball that well either. I just – at this point, it is one of those things where you take moral victories, um, and then when you can get an actual video or a victory, you, you do. Uh, like I said, I think what Texas they, team they face on Tuesday will determine how OSU fares in that game. Um, so um, it's just – it's going to be a long season. Um, watch it analytically. Watch it from the perspective of what what are these guys looking like more than why aren't they winning. If you do that, I think you'll you'll enjoy the season more than, dang it, they keep losing every game. You know, they're going to lose a lot of games this year. Yeah, exactly. But another guy, like I mean, Michael Weathers did not have a great shooting day, 3 of 12, but he still had 13 points to go along, and he had seven rebounds and six assists too, so you like that at least. But he still had four turnovers. I think his assist to turnover ratio has got to be one to one or pretty close to it. So if he can limit the turnovers, then I think he's going to be fine. He missed three shots right around the bucket, you know, in a chance when OSU had a chance to really try and get themselves back into the game and, you know, make a little bit of a run at it. But at the end of the day, uh, this is a team that's going to, yeah, like you said, they're going to lose a lot of games, but at least we can take some marginal improvement every week and just keep keep moving forward and. We've, I think I've said it every time we've talked about basketball on this podcast that it's not about this year, it's about next year. And this year we're just going to have to take what we can get and take all these losses with a grain of salt and know that something better is being built than what we're seeing right now. You know, you look at Iowa State last year finished 10th in the Big 12, and currently they're 12-2 and two overall, 2-0 in the Big 12, just beat Kansas. Like, things can turn around quickly. They can. Um, I think, and, and I... We talked about this before we went on air, and someone will probably tell me I'm an idiot for it. Uh, if you take, and this is such a weird comparison, if you take Trey Young off of OU last year, I think they're Oklahoma State this season. Like I think that's, I think I think right. that's your comparison. I think that was the level of talent. And you look at OU this year, and they've taken a big step forward. You look at Iowa State, who was 10th last year, and it's going to be a tournament team and could finish in the top four in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, this is This is a one-year deal. Uh, I don't think you can take anything away from this as far as the future goes, unless everyone just decides to leave at the end of the year. It's just going to be a rough season. There are wins on the schedule. Don't worry. Um, West Virginia and Baylor aren't great. You, you're going to get OU at home, and that's always a good game. Uh, Texas is up and down. 
I still don't know if TCU is actually good or not. Um, you've got the the SEC matchup with South Carolina, who's not very good. There are wins on the schedule. There's not very many of them, but there are some still there. It may only be six more this year, but that's okay. That is what this year is. It's about growing and growth. And if this team looks better at the end of the year than they do now, then the team is on the right track. Yeah, exactly. And we talked about this off air as well, just from speaking from a perspective of just the Big 12 as a whole. Uh, Udoka Azabuke, the big man for KU, is out for the rest of the season with the torn ligament in his hand. And that is a huge loss for Kansas, considering that also Silvio D'Souza, you know, highly touted sophomore, is suspended right now by the school. So that the Big 12 could be wide open now. Does it? How much does it suck that OSU's worst year in like a decade is the one year the Big 12 might finally be open for the take? I know. I know. <laughs> Why couldn't we have that when Marcus Smart was here? No kidding, um, right? <laughs> I, I, this looks like there is blood in the water around Kansas after that loss to Iowa State. Now, it's one loss. It They could go on a 10-game win streak. They could, but a 17-point loss is but, that's man, one of the worst losses they've had in a while, I'm pretty sure. This this feels like, and I hate playing, I hate game-by-game reaction, but man, it, it the Arizona State loss was weird. Um, that loss to, to Iowa State. I I just wonder. I know how good Kansas looked Week One. If they play like that regularly, they're going to win the conference. Right. If they have some more games like they did against Iowa State, Texas Tech is good. Iowa State's pretty good. OU's pretty good. Um, I think TCU is good. Texas, when they play at their be- at their actual peak, is pretty good. Um, so. This could be this could also be a really close Big Twelve race down to the end where we're looking at tiebreakers and, and one game differences. It could be a really fun season. Also, Kansas State, uh, yeah, they're I knew they were overrated. Yeah. So then, uh, just two final things about OU and OSU on Saturday: forty-five fouls. Just why? Just why? OU shot 16 more free throws, made 11 more. OSU lost by 10. So there you go. Um, I mean, look, free throws made the difference in that game. They did. And I'm not going to be like, the refs cost Oklahoma State the game. OSU fouled too much, but they blew the whistle at everything. God, those are the the games you're just like, why did we get the crap crew? Yeah. It just loves to be on TV. You're on Fox Sports Oklahoma. Chill out. Just stop. Yeah. And then secondly, is Brady Manick intentionally trying to look like Larry Bird? Yes. Because that, and that's my thought too. I think he has to. Like there's there's no way yes. you don't do the long blonde hair and mustache unintentionally. Granted, let's be honest. Brady Manick may not know who Larry Bird is. Also true. So, you know. Eh, it just makes me laugh whenever I see him on the TV. I'm like, he's got it. Like that's got to be a shtick or something. But, you know. Yes. 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 All right. Any final thoughts here before we wrap this episode up? Um, it's going to be a rough basketball season, OSU-wise. No, I'll still enjoy the tournament, but, man, it's this is one of those years when I'm like, I'm really excited we have an OC search to keep us busy. Right. And baseball season is right around the corner, and the women's team is pretty good, and the golf season starts soon, and I'm going to be good. We're going to be good. Yep. It's gonna be, I'm going to play to, to distract me. Exactly. The Thunder don't keep losing games like they did against the Wizards. God, the NBA is one of the most frustrating 
like leagues for me to watch in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but uh, I will say this: uh, congrats to the Oklahoma State uh, for having a nice showing with the uh, Seattle Dallas, because it was just the OSU show. Oh yeah, uh, so many players in the game. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, shout out to Blake Jarwin uh, getting he got three touchdowns. I think in, uh, from, since the last episode we had in that game against New York. Five catches, yeah, I three really, touchdowns. Man, he got – how many times are we going to see OSU guys go to the NFL and go, how come they were so underutilized? <laughs> can we can we stop doing that? Yeah. Like, can we please – can we please stop doing that? Like, Blake Jarwin should have done more at OSU. That's not on Blake uh, Jarwin. Chris Carson yes. played for bad offensive line, and now he was well, the fifth. He was hurt. He was he also was hurt. hurt a lot. Yes, but he also like, that's not. Oh, that's not the coach he's at all. He just couldn't say help me. That's also so true. you get like eleven hundred yards, eleven hundred yards. Tyree kill. I feel like we're going to be was, saying that about Tyron Johnson. I don't know. He had a good show in the Liberty Bowl. He did. If, if he can carry that through to next season, look out. Yeah, exactly. The receiving course would be really fun to watch next year. All right, Philip. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Follow me personally at OKTXARPoke. You can also follow the new 1012 podcast. It's now at T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. I got a co-host. It's a new show. We will be up this week with an episode or two. So go check it out. All right. Check out Landgrant Gauntlet as well. That's where uh, Philip's podcast is uh, affiliated through. And you can follow I like me. to rate things on that site. Lots of ratings. All right. Lots awesome. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And whenever news breaks or if we decide to keep talking about basketball, we will be back pretty soon with another episode. Take care, everybody.